Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out the Window and Disappeared, Nightcrawler, Next Goal Wins, The Volunteer, Birdman, Citizen Four, and more. On Friday, December 12th, the U-Bar hosts Stay Out of the Mall 13, featuring Mets, Weaves, and Badminton Racket. And at 1 p.m. on Saturday, December 13th, Thomas King is signing copies of his Governor General's award-winning new novel, The Back of the Turtle. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Beach Comic. On this episode of the program, Jasmine Burke of the Toronto band Weaves joins me for a conversation about uh, the big year that they've had. They've been featured in things like Rolling Stone magazine as a band to watch, which presumably there are bands that Rolling Stone doesn't want you to watch. I don't know if it's a spy thing. I don't understand. But Jasmine seems very nice. We had a nice conversation over Skype. And that's all I have to say. She's playing in, she and her band, that is, are playing in Guelph this week. So I thought it would be a nice time to catch up. And I, I I think it's safe to say that this might be the last week of shows for the month. As some of you know, there's a new addition in my family, a, a young daughter, a small, tiny, new girl. And we are busy. We're busy around here. So I'm thinking this might be it for the month. But never know. Something might happen next week. But there's one more episode this week letting you know. That's all I want to say. But for now, myself... Jasmine Burke of Weaves. You're going to hear a brand new song by Weaves as well. Enjoy. Control. 
Kazoo and Keep Your Eyes Open are pleased to present Stay Out of the Mall 13, a festive music festival that benefits the Canadian Cancer Society towards leukemia research. Night one takes place Thursday, December 11th at Silence and features performances by Jennifer Castle, John Southworth, and Shopkeeper. Night two takes place Friday, December 12th at the E-Bar with Mets, Weaves, and Badminton Racket. Silence is an accessible venue at 46 Essex Street. The E-Bar is located at 41 Quebec Street, but has stairs and is regrettably not a physically accessible space. Tickets to both all-ages licensed shows are available at ticketbreak.com or bring a non-perishable food item to the bookshelf at 41 Quebec Street or to the door and save $2 off admission. Learn more about Stay Out of the Mall 13 at their Facebook event page. See you all there. singer and co-founder of a great young band from Toronto called Weaves. If electronic synthesizer-driven bands might be called computer music, Weaves make internet rock and open-minded, all-encompassing pop music that's informed by all of the sounds and information that are currently available to all of us. They have received accolades from Canadian and U.S. media outlets and released their first EP this past April. On December 12th, Weaves are playing State of the Mall 13 with Mets and badminton racket at the E-Bar in Guelph. And here now to discuss some, some of these things is, is Jasmine Burke. Hi, Jasmine. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. Where are you? I am at my parents' house. Nice. <laughs> Tis the to, season, right? Well, I came out here to do some shopping for the holidays, and uh, so I just decided to come here and lounge for a few days. That sounds good. That sounds yeah. great. Where, whereabouts are, are your parents? They live in Ancaster, Ontario. Which is near, like... Hamilton Ham- area? Yeah, like Dundas, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Is that, is that, so that's where you're from. I'm actually from Toronto, or from Weston, which is, like, kind of... It's, like, below Etobicoke. But my parents moved here maybe five or six years ago. Oh, okay. Just to get mm-hmm. out of the big city. A lot of people are doing that, I think. Yeah, they, they were sick of, I think, the prices and... I don't know. They have a pool now, so I like that. <laughs> nice. That's well, except for today, you can't go in the pool now. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if I invented a term. I feel like I made it up in my head. I invented a term, internet rock, uh, just now to describe your band. How did that make you feel? I know. When I heard that, I was like, "That's kind of a fun way to look at it," because I feel like 
yeah, we just make uh, the music we want, which is maybe the way like people listen to music is they listen to what they want to listen to at all times of the day and any genre. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, that's kind of where you guys are at. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think that's kind of our goal is just like be able to make whatever we want and hopefully by putting out an EP that kind of like had a lot of different things we can, sorry, do anything with our music. <laughs> yeah, I think when people say it's difficult to divine <laughs> weaves, I assume that you're taking that as a compliment or, or do you resent them for not knowing about music in some way? Um, I think it's good. I think... At the same time, at the core, our music is pretty much pop music. But, um, yeah, it's great when people are sort of challenged by our sound, I guess. Yeah. Do you know where that inclination stems from? Is it, I assume you're younger people that were probably at least half raised on the Internet. Um, mm-hmm. So this way of just everything's sort of flying at you at the same time and you've got to, you absorb chunks of it or all, you know, maybe you settle into whatever for a while but it's just like a bunch of stuff is that what motivate like is the, is your band kind of the output of all of that absorption we're like the usb of the of the internet <laughs> put into a ep yeah um i think maybe kind of i think also just for me songwriting i never uh i didn't really ever want to put out a particular genre i don't know i never i mean as a kid i kind of liked different kinds of music, but just as a songwriter myself, I, I just like writing songs kind of from scratch with no, uh, I mean, I play guitar, but I don't really know how to play guitar. So I kind of like make up different sounds and then Morgan puts them through his channels of like weirdness. And then we kind of, it kind of just came out. We didn't necessarily, you know, have this big plan to make this kind of music. It just, I think it's just the way him and I work together. I kind of come from like, you know, more of the punk rock, like straightforward music. And he's a bit more of a polished guy. So when we battle things out, they end up sounding a bit like different genres, I think. You mentioned Morgan. He This is a four-piece band, but you and Morgan are kind of the primary collaborators. You're the ones sort of coming up with stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah, we usually... I kind of write alone at first, so I'll do a day by myself and maybe write nine or 10 songs. And then he picks what he likes. And then he kind of, uh, we explain it like he's the Rosetta stone for me. So he'll like, (laughs) he will, he will then like transfer what I've done into a demo. And then I go to his house and then we kind of demo together. And so it is like really a collaborative, um, song like type of music for both of us. Yeah. Okay. So how did, can we talk about how Weaves came to be exactly? Uh, where did this union come from? How does how has the band uh, arrived at its current uh, place? It was, um, like, I had played in bands prior. I'd played in a band called Rat Tail for a few years, and then um, we ended, so I started playing solo shows, and I would just loop my guitar and do, like, kind of, like, what it, weird pop music in a loop. Mm-hmm. And then his roommate, um, who's Dr. U, I don't know if you know him, Drew Smith. I know Drew, Drew, I know Drew quite well. He's in, he's in my, uh, you know, I have a talk show at the Long Winter, Long Night with Vishkan. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the bicycles are my house band. Ah, there we go. Yeah. So Drew was his roommate at the time, and he had said to Morgan, 
you should come see Jasmine. So then he came to my second solo show and then approached me. So we kind of, we, we didn't really know each other that well. And we, he kind of said like, come over to my house, let's try some music. And then it kind of started from there. We just started, I mean, we kind of have similar work ethics. So we just like started writing every day and sort of getting into this project a hundred percent. So it's been really, it's been really interesting to see it kind of, something people like, you know, after you just kind of thought it would be like a fun internal project, I guess. Were you, are you surprised at all by, uh, trajectories of, you know, your contemporaries? Like when, when you see things so like take off, so to speak, um, because it's been an interesting year for particularly inventive pop music in Toronto. I think your band is doing rather well, always is doing rather well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, does, does that surprise you when things kind of take um, not, not necessarily. I think at the same time, a band like always, they've put a lot of work into that record and, you know, like it's been a few years of them really building that. So you kind of hope that a band will do well. I mean, you don't ever know. I mean, they're doing really well. It's kind of awesome to see them. I don't know, the world sort of notice them, which is awesome. So you never know exactly what's going to happen, but I think if you put in the work and you stay focused, like there is a chance that people will at least start to pay attention a little bit. But, you know, even for us, like it's been, we've been a band for barely a year and it's, it's been pretty amazing to see kind of people start to really, I don't know, identify with the music. It's funny. I don't yeah, know. It is, it is funny because you, you had the experience of playing in Rat Tail at least and, mm -hmm. and, and you kind of, I assume that you look back on that now as sort of honing your chops, so to speak. Yeah, it was sort of, uh, well, I guess that's anything kind of in life, right? You you sort of, you don't realize why you did that until you get to the next point, and then it kind of like all falls into place. I think I would have been too nervous as a performer in Rat Tail, I mean in Weaves, if I hadn't have done Rat Tail. So it was kind of a nice, like, you know, still really young that I could kind of get out the nerves and then hopefully be a little bit more, I'm still nervous as a, I get too nervous before shows, but, you know, at least get me going for this project. It was, it's been good. Yeah. Do you have coping uh, tactics that you, to, coping rituals for that uh, nerve, the, the nerves you described? Do you do anything? Um, I'm kind of crazy. I usually write down, like I'll write down all of the lyrics before just by myself. <laughs> I'll rewrite everything just so that I'm like, okay, I know it all. And I, Sometimes I'll I just listen to our music on my headphones a little bit so I can feel like very confident. And the guys always get mad because like if we have a rehearsal prior, I just want to do every song like three to four times. So I just feel I just like to know the music at like it's not like it's just second nature. Hmm. So then you can like be kind of more in the moment, right? That sounds to me that's all very interesting and it sounds to me like first band behavior. I remember playing for the first time ever at a high school mm -hmm. coffee house and sitting on the porch waiting for someone to pick me up nervous as hell mm -hmm. and just dr I was the drummer so I was just drumming on my knees to try to rem make sure I knew the songs that's yeah. exactly what you're describing I think it's like once I get on stage I realize that I do know what is happening it's just I don't know I have like sometimes crippling not crippling, but, you know, just nerves. But I, once I get on, then 
the guys, that's what they're nice because they're just like, once you get on stage, I don't understand why you complain that you're nervous because then I just kind of become another person that like just remembers that sort of oh, everything comes together. <laughs> no, that, that that makes sense. Now, it's impossible to separate the audience from this. I don't want to call it an affliction, but you clearly have this is an issue. You have a stage fright issue on some level. But so, yeah, as I say, I, you can't really separate it from the audience. But is is that primarily it? Is it the fact that you're doing something in public and, and you're not sure how it's going to go? I think in the at, in my heart, I'm like kind of in I'm in I'm an introvert. <laughs> like I was a quiet kid. I didn't really talk. So it's kind of a funny. My family thinks it's really funny that I'm now like the front person of a band because I didn't really. I'm kind of a socially awkward person, so it's kind of a, it's a funny uh, juxtaposition of personality. But um, I'm not. What it, it's, again? It's like once I get on stage, then I'm like I'm confident with the people and I feel good. It's just like right before you get that nerve, and then and then you feel good. It's almost like you have to channel that energy into like the the opposite once you get on stage. I think everybody who performs or speaks or does anything in public has what you have. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that those butterflies or whatever, but it, they all deal with them in the in the same way. Exactly. Did you have this? Like, did you have to do like presentations in school? Yeah, but it, uh, again, I was a strange. Like, I would, uh, for example, I remember going down to the gym for uh, like one of the speeches, but like I didn't talk in class. And then when I had to write a speech, I was like, okay. I'm going to make it down to the gym. Like I always had that weird mentality yeah. where it's like, can't talk to people, but I will win the like competition in my class. And did you win? Uh, I did. I won in my class and then I went down to, I didn't win in the gymnasium, but you know, I, I did well in the class. Well, good, good for you. <laughs> now I, I want to, I've mentioned this before on this show and I don't know if it was received very well, but I have a tactic and I want to share it with you because mm-hmm. I, think, I think I can help you a little bit. Okay. And, and the tactic I use, and I used it in university and I, I use it to this day, is if I have to speak in public, I tell myself no one is going to die. It's true. That's a good, uh, put it in perspective. <laughs> exactly. I say you're not going to die. No one's going to strike you. Yeah. You know, you do a thing, you miss a drum beat. Or you say the wrong thing, no one is going to die. That is exactly. an extreme form of handling stage fright, but it's worked like a charm for me. I don't yeah. even think about it anymore because it's in, it's just like something I I have within me that no one is going to die. That's true. I will take that to our show this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it is a little more difficult to apply that to things like airplanes because there's a very good chance everyone will die. You but, could die. Yeah. Uh, generally, it, it seems to work. I'm not as, I'm not a very nervous person. Now, <laughs> now, you were raised in Weston, you say? Yes, yeah. And where is that exactly? Um, so that is, it's kind of like north of Keele Station, but it's right below Etobicoke. So it's in between those two areas. So it's kind of like, it is, it's considered the town of Weston, um, but it, it's it's really just kind of in north in North York essentially. It, it, it just it's like a suburb of Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned that you were a quiet, introverted kid. What was your upbringing like exactly? Um, I think I mean I grew up in the suburbs, so it was kind of like every other suburbanite. Like you know, people were a little bit boring, but um, 
I always, I always liked music and me and my friends in high school would like, you know, take this, the, the bus down to Queen street and, uh, buy our jewelry and, you know, go and whatever, hang out with friends. So I always felt kind of connected to downtown anyways. So I, I don't know. I never really liked it up there. And then as soon as I was able to get out, I kind of moved downtown essentially, but I do have a, a penny farthing on my tattooed on my chest, which is like penny farthings were built in a factory in West. And that's like kind of how people started moving there was to work for this CCM bicycle factory. Oh, okay. So I got the tattoo of the penny farthing when I, when I left Weston. <laughs> I, I, I'm a biker. I don't know what a penny farthing is. You know, like the old bicycle with the big wheel in the front. Oh, that thing. Oh, mm-hmm. you have one of those. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's called a penny farthing. I thought it was a mm-hmm. tricycle. Penny farthing is also the the name for it, yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Okay, <laughs> do you think there's any logic to the idea that uh, people people who are raised or uh, spend time in the suburbs they might be actually more artistically hungry than someone in a metropolis? Um, I think it depends. I mean, because most of the people that I grew up with didn't actually leave the suburbs, so it's like. If it's one versus 20 people in the class, then is it that I'm more prone or it's just the just where I am? But I don't know. Um, I think there is an element of boredom when you're there and you don't really identify. If you don't identify with everybody in your class, then you maybe lean towards the creative because it is an outlet. But I'm not quite sure because, I mean, a lot of my friends that were also kind of alternative kids, they just... They didn't actually end up becoming musicians or anything. So I think it has a, a, a little part in it, but it's not necessarily pertinent to be from the burbs. No, no, I don't think it's a hard and fast rule, but I do think yeah. that often people in the burbs are struggling to find something to do and they'll make spaces, uh, they'll try to make spaces that uh, maybe emulate what they perceive to be happening in big mm-hmm. cities or, or whatever. And I just wonder... I think, I think it's just, for me, it's a little bit, because I'm not... I was never far enough that I felt completely disconnected. Like I could see the CN Tower from my the end of my street. So it wasn't like I felt completely isolated. I could understand for, I think for kids who grow up maybe an hour or two hours, you know, outside of the city, definitely you start sort of building a community within, you know, a place that's pretty maybe stagnant. But mm. um, for me, it was just sort of like, I don't know. I I think I saw a friend's like older brother play. He was doing like Neil Young covers and I really thought it was beautiful. So I asked my parents to get me a guitar when I was like 15. Oh. And then I I was really obsessed with like Bob Dylan. And um so that was kind of like my first I thought I would be like a folk artist when I was a teenager. <laughs> wow, okay. So just yeah. seeing someone from your community Playing music, Neil Young's music, that was the first thing that sparked your interest in? In playing, yeah. I always liked music and from a young age, but I I never really thought I would actually pick up a, a guitar. And then, I don't know, I just found it really... I went. I used to go to concerts a lot when I was younger. I'd go to all ages shows and stuff. But in particular, when I saw like someone perform on acoustic guitar, I was like, I want to get an acoustic guitar and try writing sweet ballads or whatever. And then I, I played in my room alone for 
like three or four years and my parents uh then they finally were like you should maybe try and play in the public so I I started sort of when I was maybe 19 or 20 I started a band with my feet my friends and so it started from there yeah and was that band Rat Tail uh no my first band was called Hot Monogamy (laughs) Hot Monogamy that sounds good that's a good name yeah so we played in the city we played in Toronto um Maybe when we were 18 or 19, we kind of played for a few years. And then, yeah, when that ended, I started Rat Tail with uh, a couple people from kind of downtown Toronto. And then, yeah, so it's been like a few bands, you know, since I started Weave. So. When you look back on Hot Monogamy and, and Rat Tail, is there, do you have a way of encapsulating where you were at artistically at that time? Were, were you in full-on emulation mode? Did you feel like you were onto something of your own at that point? I think I kind of, at least in... I never sang before Homonogamy, and we just needed a singer, so I, I, I just volunteered. And then I kind of thought, all right, I can kind of maybe do this. And then in Rat Tail, I just noticed like people would kind of... They liked the, the melodies or whatever that I was coming up with I wasn't like the best guitarist but I knew I, I could kind of like get away with singing and doing and kind of creating fun melodies so I think that's kind of what maybe Morgan that's kind of what he noticed with me too is like I, I just I love vocal melodies and that's kind of my my baby of the project is like keeping those and the lyrical content I think I at the core like to kind of tell stories so mm. that's sort of something that I think has or what I've learned through like the various bands is I think I like words a lot and so it's been uh, yeah that I think that's the element that's sort of like I learned through all those bands and and you mentioned lyrics you mentioned singing is is that interest derived in some way from things you heard from Neil Young or Bob Dylan I think in a way yeah like I I I also really loved you know I don't know. I'm trying to think of like like Bjork and yeah yeah yes and that sort of like bigger than life female mm-hmm. um, idea. And I also really love you know like Mavis Staples or like um, Odetta. I, I love mixing sort of like this idea of maybe like an older, almost like a gospel sort of like preacher mixed in with like uh, a little Bob Dylan rock and roll storytelling. So. For me, if I I feel like that's kind of who I am in, at the at the core, so it's a mixture of different personalities, I guess. Were you self aware of your introversion to, enough? Were you aware of that so that when you first sang, you because you have a strong, distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. When you first started singing, was it a shock to yourself almost that oh my god, I have something here? I'm such um, a quiet person. Where where did this yeah. come from? Uh, I think in Hot and Hog Me, my voice wasn't really the best. If you if you hear it, it's like a different version of my voice. It's kind of weird. It, I guess like your voice, you just it's a muscle. You keep working at it. But um, I think in Rat Tail, near the near the end was when kind of like the guys in my band were a bit like, you have to keep playing music, jazz. Like uh, you kind of have a. You have, your your voices are instrument is what they would always tell me. So hmm. I kind of took that to heart. And then um, when I ended Rat Tail, I took like a year off and was just sort of 
figuring out if I still wanted to make music. And then, yeah, this, and then the thing with Morgan happened so quick that I was like, you know, maybe I should just try and pursue music a little bit more. And like at the, in my heart, I can't really stop making music. So I might as well just like keep putting out music as well. So did, did Rat Tail end for any particular reason? No, it was just kind of like our drummer moved to Halifax and we had just sort of, it just felt natural to end. And I was ready for kind of a new beginning of something. And I, I don't know, I just kind of decided I didn't really want to play in Rat Tail anymore. And then, yeah, but then a year later I ended up in Weaves and I was like, I guess I'm doing this again. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It seems like something you can't escape right the moment. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> Toronto's music community seems to be in a particularly strong place these days. It feels uh, diverse, it feels vibrant and, and, and galvanized. What's yeah. your perspective on the city's arts realm generally these days? I think it's great, but I also think it's always been really interesting. Like, I've kind of... I've been around the city for a long time, and I... Um, for at least, like, the last five, six years, and... I mean, I think right now the difference is maybe there's like more of an infrastructure that there's labels around that are actually. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Actually, kind of promoting these songs and giving them more of an like international um, whatever presence. But um, I always thought Toronto had like a really vibrant community and the thing is the venues I mean there used to be a couple more venues but they're all so close that even when you do something like North by essentially you're cycling distance from every venue so it's kind of always been a fun city to make music in because people really seem to support each other and I mean even just from like on Buzz Records like it's been really nice to have people on the team that really care and they try and promote each other and help each other's shows, so it's pretty it's pretty nice. I think that part of what you're saying there, in terms of like, it's always been pretty interesting, but people are paying more attention. I mm-hmm. think that there's maybe been a bit of, I think Toronto is regarded nationally as being pretty self-interested generally, mm-hmm. um, in terms of media, media production, and I think that it was easier for people to get behind Halifax in the 90s uh, mm-hmm. as sort of championing an underdog. Montreal uh, kind of dominated the conversation. Mm-hmm. Even though there was great stuff happening in, in Toronto, people just liked talking about Montreal in, mm-hmm. in the last decade. Do you, do, you, do you think Toronto is maybe finally, in terms of underground music, do you think that it's finally okay to kind of pay attention to Toronto, talk about it in favorable terms in terms of, you know, 
a, a record, an underground music industry, so to speak? It seems so. I think that's sort of what's happening now, even if you have like a band like Always, where now maybe people look to our city. It is true that you always assume that a band's maybe from Montreal or the East Coast. Um, even for us, when we tour, people are like, oh, so are you from Montreal? We're like, no, Toronto. And they're always surprised by that. But um, I think it is kind of maybe time for a band from here or a couple bands from here to start gaining attention. I don't know. It's It seems like the right time, the right place to sort of be in, in the city at least. And I mean, the prices are so high, though, it's going to end up we're all going to be out of the city soon, but <laughs> everyone's moving. Everyone's moving to Hamilton. Exactly, Hamilton, or you know, you can understand why Montreal is appealing to musicians because it's just just so cheap to live there. Yeah, still relatively but, cheap. Do you think that the various scandals that Toronto has been embroiled in in the last two years between Mayor Rob Ford, uh, currently we've got the Gian Gomeshi thing. Mm-hmm. Has that impacted, certainly that's impacted the profile of the city internationally, but has that yeah. impacted uh, how, I mean, do you think there's any correlation between people paying more attention to Toronto for the wrong reasons and, and also paying attention for the right ones? Uh, I think maybe they're separate. I think people that are music listeners aren't necessarily like turning to news about Rob Ford or Gian and then and then looking into our music scene, I think they're maybe two separate ideas. Maybe they're both in the same headline, but um, I think the music, I think that it it's in its own separate sort of like, I, I do, again, I'll say always, but, you know, and even somebody like Drake, <laughs> it's funny, sure. but it's, it's at the, and not on that larger scale, even from a hip hop community, like, I think that, people are paying attention to Toronto for, for people like that, that are from Toronto. You never, people also don't think certain genres I think can come out of certain cities or certain countries sometimes. And I think even for a band like us, it's people wouldn't necessarily assume we're from like Toronto, Canada. They might think we're from either Montreal or from another place. They don't think that certain genres are, because I think people also in their minds, they have an idea of, what the people look like, what the people might listen to. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of a, maybe it's a benefit to us that there aren't many people that have come out of our city that have been internationally popular because then you can kind of, I'm assuming if you're from like Seattle, basically you're stuck in the shadows of Kirk Cobain forever. You know, like Mm. we don't, we don't have that same sort of like idol from our, from our country, our city, unless you're, like a Mac DeMarco now, there's all these like Edmontonian, you know, yeah. people that are building that. But, you know, we don't have that type of idolization of necessarily a person from Toronto. Drake. Drake. That's the only one. I mean, Drake but is. Drake, but Drake is. Yeah. Drake is. Sep- I think Drake. Well, no, I don't know. I like Drake. But that's. <laughs> but I don't think if people heard Weaves, they wouldn't be like, she's a derivative of Drake. I do think that if people are being hammered with news about Toronto, people from Toronto, enough, they're going to be like, well, I've never paid any attention to Toronto. Yeah. What the hell's going on up there? That's true. But maybe they're thinking of it in like, well, I guess it's all culturally relevant. But uh, I don't know. Like a person that listens to our music is, I don't know if they're in tune with the current affairs necessarily. <laughs> they might just be into, They might just be a, a teenager or a 20-year-old from 
whatever town and they're on Pitchfork or they're on, you know, Brooklyn Vegan and they're looking up music. Right, they're on the internet and then they're being bombarded by all sorts of, just like your band, you know? Like I think that, I feel like all of this is connected but I'm not smart enough to figure out how. No, I see, I see what you're saying. Like, uh, and especially because it's so quick with the internet that, you know, it might just be a pop-up on the top of their screen and you maybe you're subliminally... Uh, learning about weaves via, <laughs> yeah, this well, like since it's completely insidious. I looked up the yeah. Bob Dylan in the basement tapes complete the other day, mm-hmm. on I just looked at what I wasn't going to buy it from Amazon, but I just wanted to see what they were pricing it at. Mm-hmm. And then like in my Gmail, my Facebook, I just keep getting mm-hmm. little ads for it, and I'm it's like, true. I'm not, and this happens all the time, but I've been particularly cognizant of it recently. I'm like, that's so weird that it just keeps showing up, and that's. That's what the internet is now. It's true. It's true. So if it's you're if you're if you're reading about Weaves or Always Enough or Rob Ford or Gianco or whatever, the feeling implicitly you're learning about Toronto bit it's by true. bit incrementally. It's true. It's rather than like a message board old school. You're just like a, yeah, you're yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's a lot to process. Are there things about the <laughs> are there things about the city or its art scene? Like I, I gather that you're like you're pe- if you have a pet peeve about the Toronto music community, it's that it's always kind of been there and not really recognized. But are there things mm-hmm. about it the city or its arts community that frustrate you at all? Um I mean I guess my thing is well, it's my own personal, but I've played like so many shows in the city. It's nice to get out of the city sometimes and play other venues, but um, I don't have a particular pet peeve. I think at this point it's kind of nice because there's also, there are a lot of kind of women that are also playing. I think maybe a few years ago I got a little frustrated because I always, I'd always with Rat Tail sometimes maybe get pegged to like playing female shows, like all female shows, and that used to bother me. Or, I, like, you know, it's just, yeah, when you're a front woman, sometimes you're always getting asked to play these all-girl shows, all-women mm-hmm. shows. And I always thought, well, I can play the same kind of show as whomever. But I feel like it's also kind of, it's changed over the last, like, three or four years that now there's more, it seems to be more, I don't know, equal. And but otherwise yeah i don't know i like toronto it's been pretty good to me so far <laughs> do you feel like the less there's the, the certainly recently there's been a lot of discussion about uh gender there's a lot of discussion about race mm-hmm. are you someone that believes that in a sense talking about it so much doesn't actually alleviate the issues that perhaps i'm not saying not addressing it but actually just behaving normally like those things aren't a big deal might be a, a faster solution to achieving kind of equality and, and things like that um i think not sure if ignoring it but at the same time not um not assuming something about you never know people i think the thing that i found great about playing in this current project is i find just people that are a bit maybe younger, they seem to be more open to experiencing music not based on race or gender. Like young boys that come up to me and they're like, you know, 20 years old and they're hugging me like, oh, I just, I don't want to be a fanboy, but like, I really like your music. I find that really baffling because if you think of 
I don't know, even 10, 20 years ago, I don't think a young person would like necessarily, it, it was kind of viewed as like girl riot sort of groups of people or, you know, it, it wasn't as, I don't think people were necessarily willing to experience music in a way that they didn't necessarily look at the person and yeah. make an assumption or the, or the, or that young people are just, I don't know. I think they're more open to just experiencing different things. And it's funny, like I, I work at a restaurant and the dishwasher there, he's, I think he's maybe 17 years old. And like literally every time I go back to put like dishes in there, he's listening to a completely different genre. Like it'll be 1980s, like, I don't even know, whatever, hair metal. Then the next second he's listening to like some 30s like instrumental piece. And it's just anything that appeals to people's ears, they're willing to listen to. So you have to sort of like assume that hopefully they translate that into how they view people. I think you, I, you raise a huge, hugely important point. I think that the way we have come to, particularly younger people are consuming culture where it's just completely all over, all over the place without maybe articulating it. Like they, they just simply mm-hmm. process things the way they do. And yet I know why the media is feeding. It's a feeding frenzy on the tension about the differences between us because mm-hmm. they need to spin this into stories and, and make it seem compelling. But mm-hmm. I, I'm now coming, I've long held this belief that in a sense, the less you articulate the difference, the mm-hmm. healthier we might be. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it's, it's hard to gauge also. I mean, I live in an urban area, so it's like, I don't know what it would necessarily be like if I lived in a different part of the world, but um, I definitely kind of agree with you. I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a, really, again, really intense. <laughs> a lot to think about yeah. for a band interview, but this is, that's the nature <laughs> of, this is an internet interview. Basically. Exactly. And just, you know, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. And, you know, our music is all over the place. And <laughs> the way people view me, they think I'm from all over the place. So, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. Now, Weaves has been releasing music kind of selectively singles followed by an EP. Is there mm-hmm. some is there some method to doing this instead of a, a putting out a full length LP? Um, for us, it's kind of it has to relate to that idea of. I don't think people experience music necessarily on an album by album basis anymore. They're interested in they're interested in the singles and they also like music comes out daily every second every minute, you know. So we kind of figured maybe to like our manager's dismay, he's just like, "Oh god, you guys, but why not release singles every few months and sort of like keep keep people interested in your project because I mean, once you put, not that we are going to put out a record, but at least for the first year, we figured let's have fun with the way we put out songs. And I think it's just been kind of a fun experiment for us, but has kind of really, I think, helped us to kind of put out singles and people don't know if anything's coming out, but it gets people excited in a time when, you know, they don't have to pay attention to you at all. <laughs> is, this, is this a situation where, say, one day in March, you go in and record 10 songs and then just incrementally uh, put them out? Or are, are these releases a reflection of your output, so to speak, 
we definitely there like for example well we put out hula hoop first and that song was it was made pretty quickly but um we kind of we usually will record something and then we kind of just we have a bunch of we have like a body of work and then we'll we'll decide what song might just be better as a single and then what song we want to keep for maybe the record so i mean we have a batch that are now potentially the record the full length so we probably we might release like one or two more songs and then kind of work towards the record but um i think we're just always writing every like i write every week so we try and make it that we're able to kind of throw songs out there rather than holding on to this bundle that you know i'm waiting for the the big label to catch me up it's like or swoop me up i think it's kind of more fun to at least just write all the time so that we could we're able to you know have i think that'll be the way people put out music in the future is sort of like the album will be dead you can put out eps or you know they call them the mini albums now but i don't know if lps or will be something of the past in another 10 years mm. i don't know hmm. no it's interesting too because i think some of us grew up processing music and, and bands we loved as a kind of trajectory. So each album represents a period, but when you're doing what you're doing, it sounds like a bit of both. It sounds like it's reflecting a period. And then six months later, you, we might hear something new yeah. that is still representative of that initial period. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so it's a, it's an interesting, uh, that's why I ask about, are you recording 10 songs and slowly putting them out? Or are you recording 10 songs and then recording 10 more songs well, we're recording 10 songs, then we're recording another 10, then we're recording another, like, we're kind of crazy, but um, at least recently, uh, I felt personally like we've put we've put together a really good body of, we just wanted to make sure this record is what we want to put out into the world. And I think, like, now we sort of reached a point where we've been a band for a year, so we just, like... Uh, last week we recorded three new songs and I think they're all going to go on the record. So it's kind of funny because some of our songs on there will be from a year and a half ago. Some of them will be, we just recorded them two weeks ago. So I think we've hit a point where we kind of, there's a cohesiveness to, so we're at most of the, the EP won't really, I mean, sorry, the LP won't really have anything from the EP on it. So it's like a new, body of work but at the same time when I think about cohesiveness I kind of think well my voice is is going to be on every song which is probably the element that's cohesive and I don't know it's my it's my life that I write about kind of so I mean the last if you write about things over a year they're bound to sort of sound like one particular moment in your life or yeah you know I don't know (laughs) yeah I hear you I hear you well no that makes sense I appreciate the explanation um Speaking of the year, what's the best thing that happened to you in 2014? <laughs> um, I will say we got the opportunity to open for Tune Yards at Massey Hall, and that was probably the it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was kind of like this is kind of a special moment for our band, and we had uh, it was almost like the one year anniversary of our project. Um, because our first show was last year at, at North by so, uh, or sorry, the year prior. Um, so to to be able to play there and play with Tune Yards was kind of like a really 
cool moment for us. And our, our parents came, and so it was kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And Meryl, Meryl of Toon Yards is, is a genius. Yeah, she's the best. And I, like, snuck into their change room at the end and, and gave them a CD. And they were like, oh, weaves. And I couldn't handle that. So I was like, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I saw her at uh, the Dawson City Music Festival, and we hung out a bit, and she was fantastic. She's like really like I mean amazing artist, but just a really nice spirit within her, I think. And I think that's also what kids will like in the future is like, you know, if you're a nice person and you're really and she has an amazing voice, but I think people read that and maybe um, I don't know, just the way people experience songs and people maybe being the most genuine, the most genuine people might be the ones that that rise i don't know yeah i hope so we well you like yeah. to hope so yeah. yeah yeah uh speaking of nice things wait this is a terrible segue what's the worst yeah. thing what's the worst thing that happened to you in 2014 the worst thing mm, trying to think uh did anything bad happen i guess i didn't really work that much in the first part of the year but now i'm yeah that would i don't know because because of the band I was just uh, trying to, I don't know, I just didn't, I, I work at a restaurant, but then it's slow at the beginning of the year, so then you're always stressed, but. I see, I see. I don't know. It's been a pretty good year. I can't really complain, I think. Okay, good. Yeah. That's that's good to hear. I'm, I only ask because we're at the end of the year and we're reflecting, right? We have to reflect. I'm trying to, ref, I'm trying to, what is my idea this year? It's to not, I'm trying not to be negative, so. I'm going to say it was a good year, and I can't complain. <laughs> An early New Year's resolution. To not complain next year. <laughs> to not complain next year. You're already on it. That's great. That's good. Uh, so we've kind of hinted at what's coming up next. You mentioned some recordings and, and stuff. What is, what is, if you could sort of pinpoint that, what is next for Weaves? I think um, hopefully we'll be traveling more, and we've just, and we're going to try and finish this, the old record and um and then kind of see what happens next year so uh i think it'll be a good year hopefully (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's great that sounds that sounds rad well once again weaves is an excellent band from toronto whose latest self-titled ep is available now via buzz records on on december 12th weaves are playing stay out of the mall 13 with mets and badminton racket at the e-bar in guelph and you can get more information about these things at buzzrecords.ca and kazookazoo.ca and ticketbreak.com and is there a good place to go for weave stuff you got a lot of stuff sites yeah there's like a weavesband.com or you know you can google it and where things will pop up i am surprised (laughs) given that your name is weaves how quickly you show up at the top i know right i i don't know why i don't know i think something maybe that's but remember we were talking about how bob dylan comes up in your search you probably looked up the particular band Weaves, but if you were a person who bought hair weaves, I probably wouldn't come up on your Google feed. Oh, that's true. I haven't bought hair weaves yeah. in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> Did you see any of the Bob Dylan shows in Toronto recently? I saw him at the ACC like uh, two years ago. Yeah. Um, his voice just isn't what it used to be, but it's still he's still like a magical... A magical man. I love him. <laughs> I went. I went to both shows at the Sony Center. Oh, really? Yeah, they were amazing. I've seen. I've seen him like almost fifty times. 
Oh, he's the best. He is the best. I love him. And uh, that's just, that's, I just want to point that. I just like, I like meeting other young Bob Dylan fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he, I, I love him. I have like a picture of him in my, in my living room and uh, I like him a lot. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, if there's a song by Weaves that we can go out on right now, what would it be? Um, maybe, is it, uh, are we, Shithole? The new one? Sure. You want to go, with, what, what, what can you tell us about the song Shithole? Um, so that one, it was, um, that's one of those ones where, you know, it was like a mysterious, I found it on my demos. I don't know when I wrote it. I think it might have been in the last year. And um, I just found it in my, in my, you know, like your memo on your iPhone when you record? Yeah, I do that all the time, yeah. And I, and I like, was going through the list because I have, like, just whatever. And I found that and I was like, oh, this is a fun tune and then sent it to Morgan. And so it became, uh, it, that came out, like, we recorded it uh, maybe two weeks before. Um, and we had only, the guys had only heard it maybe like a month before it actually got released into the public. So it was like this m- mystery song. I don't know when it's from or it's an alien. Oh, weird. You, yeah. That's weird. But it's, you, and it went from that to out into the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of awesome. All right. This is yeah. sh- Shithole by <laughs> Weaves. Uh, Jasmine, thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today. I had, a, I had a nice time. And I, as I, I say, I wish you the best of luck and what promises to be. An excellent complain, complaint-free 2015. Exactly. Thank you for having me.
get hold, not holding no one's hands, hoping for something to take me off of this land. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.